Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. No 
He is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Capital B in our outline, a new life, new life. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you today for being our heavenly father, for adopting us as sons and daughters into your holy family. We thank you, Father, for the privilege to place our faith in your only begotten son, Jesus Christ. We trust, Father, that in doing so, our better days, our better years, our better experiences are still ahead of us. We thank you, Father, for predestining us before the foundations of the earth were ever laid to be members of your select family. You told us in your word that many are called, but few are chosen. Thank you, Father, for not only choosing us, but for uh, not only calling us, but for choosing us. We pray, Father, that as we study today, and we seek your face, you will bless us with more revelation, more insight, and more knowledge, that we may walk more by faith. We give you glory on an advance, trusting, Father, that you are going to do these things for us. In Jesus' mighty and glorious name, we pray. Amen and amen. Capital B. New life, new life. We look here, saints, at Paul's second letter to the Corinthian saints. In verses 11 on down through 21, he deals with the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of being reconciled. And we thank God that each one of us as children of God, not only should we have a revelation of what reconciliation and the ministry of reconciliation is, but we also, through our experience, should have an experiential knowledge. You, you've got revelational knowledge and you've got experiential knowledge. All right, the experience knowledge is where you've gone through a thing. You you've passed through it. You ladies out there that have had children, you 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 know what having children is like. You have experienced. Well, as men, you know, because we have not experienced that, at best we can receive a revelation knowledge. Maybe God can can share with us and reveal to us, but you all will have an experience knowledge. Well, as children of God, not only should we have a revelational knowledge, or well, not only should we have an experienced knowledge of the ministry of reconciliation, because that's what, that's what our Christianity is. We have experienced the reconciling power, the reconciliation power of our creator. We have experienced God bringing us back to himself. Our faith in Jesus Christ has caused our creator to now reconnect with us. Whereas man or humanity was separated from God because of sin, because of evil attitudes, evil behavior, because of having listened to the adversary and having walked in the flesh, our faith in Christ now reconciles us. It brings us back to God. It makes us one again with God. Man was originally created in oneness with God. Adam and God were one in the spirit. They communed, they talked back and forth, they worked together and they, they talked together and they, they reasoned together. But once Adam sinned, there was a separation that took place between God and man in the innermost places of man's being, in his spirit or in his heart. That is when Satan moved in and became the God of this age. Satan was not the God of the age when Adam was in obedience to God. God was the God of that age. God was the one that Adam was listening to prior to the fall. God was the one that Adam was in communion with prior to the fall. God was the one that Adam 
uh, uh, was one with prior to the fall. But once Adam sinned, Satan then became the god of this age. This is why, my brothers and my sisters, we must be born again. Jesus said we must be born again. Why? Because flesh gives birth to flesh. In other words, that unregenerated, rebellious nature that our ancestor Adam let in when he let Satan in, it gives birth to more and more and more. So God, Jesus said, look, the only way to stop this process is that you must be born again. Flesh is not something that can be overhauled. It is not something that can be fixed. That is, it is something that has to be killed. This is why Jesus said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. He's not an oh, overhauled creature. He's not a creature that has been made better than what it was before. As children of God, you and I are now new creatures. We are not even the same one that we were prior to salvation. Who we were prior to salvation and who we are now after salvation are two totally different creatures. Ministry of reconciliation. So when you say, Apostle, what do you want us to understand? That not only should we have an experienced knowledge of reconciliation, God wants to give us a, a revelation knowledge of reconciliation. Now, you, revelation knowledge is important because you can experience a thing, but if God does not give you a revelation, you still will not completely comprehend what you have experienced. You still won't understand what's going on. Jesus lived, bled, died, rose again from the dead, told his disciples he was going to do all this, and came back from the dead and walked right along with his disciples, and they still didn't get it. It wasn't until they received, they had an experience. They had the experience. Christ was right with them. Christ had risen from the dead and was walking right with them. So they had an experience, but without a revelation, your experiences will still not, uh, they will still be uh, meaningless. So we need a revelation. You, you might be experiencing a, a life, but if you don't have a revelation as to what life is all about and what God wants to do uh, in your life and through your life, then you will still, you will still uh, miss out on so much. So, Father, not only do we want to experience your goodness, we want to have a revelation in regards to your goodness. Not only do we want to experience salvation, we want to have a revelation as to what your salvation is all about. We want an experience, but we also want the revelation so that we can, so that we can grasp what the experience was all about. You get an experience without a revelation, you 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 you'll miss it. You'll miss it. It's almost like uh, almost like having a um, what God is slashing in my spirit is something they shared with us in an insurance school many years ago. That 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 there are billions and billions of dollars out there in unpaid unpaid uh, insurance claims. Billions and billions of dollars. Now you know the the, the thing about that is that. You know, oftentimes insurance companies, they will make sure they contact you and make sure they find out where you are in order to, for your premiums to get paid. But if someone dies, they don't oftentimes go out of their way to contact you and let you know that you've got $100,000 or, you know, you got half a million dollars or they don't go out of their way to let you know that there's money that, that you could claim, okay? So, so what happens is, you know, even though mother or father may have died, you, you may have the experience of their death. You know that, the, that, that you had to pay the funeral costs. You know that you saw their remains put in the ground. You, you've had the, you, you know how it feels to be minus a mother or minus a father. You've got the experience. But without a revelation, you may not know that there are some benefits and some blessings as a result of their death that you don't know anything about. They may have that, that insurance policy, million dollars waiting for you at the insurance company. Or they may have some stocks and some bonds that they may have tucked away somewhere. So, so you've got the experience of their death, but you may not have a revelation which will give you a more complete understanding of the death, a more complete understanding of the, 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 the benefits that come about as a result of their death. So it is with Christianity. See? There are benefits and blessings that, that, have, that, that 
uh, are ours as children of God, but we've got to have a revelation. Now, just like that individual I was mentioning earlier, parents, parents die, but if you don't have a revelation that they had a half-million-dollar insurance policy, you don't have a revelation that they had uh, $5 million in uh, 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 stocks and, and bonds and mutual funds, then you can, you can be experiencing unnecessary suffering, unnecessary hardship, unnecessary financial strain. So, so, so it is with Christianity. When we don't have a revelation of things, we can experience, and we will experience, unnecessary hardship, unnecessary difficulty, unnecessary strain. God's revelation will let us to know uh, that things are not as bad as they look. Revelation, God's revelation knowledge will let us to know that whatever we go through as children of God, God is going to take it and work it together for our good. Revelation knowledge will let us to know that our enemies uh, can't stop our destiny anyway. Revelation knowledge will clear up what may be confused. It may clear up what you have experienced but still don't understand. Jesus' disciples, after Jesus died, rose again from the dead, and ascended back to heaven and, 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 and came back to them, what they needed was a revelation as to what they had experienced. They had experienced his death. They went through the agony of watching him die. They went through the pain of losing their friend, their confidant, their counselor. They, they, experienced, they experienced it. But when Jesus came back, he gave them a revelation. And revelation will encourage you. Revelation will enlighten you. Revelation will open your eyes. Revelation will let you to know that we are the head as children of God and not the tail. Revelation will let, revelation will let you to know that God has got a much better place planned for you and I. Revelation will, revelation will do so, so many things. So you say, Apostle, what are we driving at? Anything that we have experienced. We need a revelation from God so that we can understand it well, so that we can comprehend it well. Anything that we have experienced, we need a revelation. So that, and what basically revelation is, it's, it's God's perspective of the matter. We're talking about revelation. We're talking about God's revelation. It's God shining light on, and letting us know his perspective on that matter. One of the, you know, God is flashing in my spirit now, uh, David's willingness to fight Goliath. Well, why? He experienced seeing the size of Goliath just like all the other Israelite soldiers. He, he, he heard about how uh, Goliath was a fighting man from his youth just like all the other soldiers. The difference was that David had a revelation from God as to the promises and, and, and the, uh, um, the covenant of God. David had a revelation. David understood that God was, on, was with us and that because God is with us, who can be against us? Revelation will give you courage. Revelation will give you insight. Revelation will, will, will strengthen you. Revelation will keep you from being depressed. Revelation will keep you from being discouraged. Revelation will keep you moving forward. Revelation will bring you into your promised land. What was the difference between Joshua and Caleb and all the other spies that went into the promised land? Other spies were looking at things through natural eyes. Joshua and Caleb had a revelation from God. God's word is meant to bring you and I, among other things, it's meant to bring us revelation. It's meant to open our eyes so that we see like God sees. We understand like God understands. We comprehend like God comprehends. The ministry of reconciliation. You say, Apostle, why is that important? It's important because you need to understand, child of God, that you are carrying the ministry of reconciliation. The Holy Spirit is a reconciler. You are carrying the reconciler. That is how you are proven to be a child of God. Not because you want some church role, not because you got some title somewhere, not because you've been to, sem to, to seminary school. The Bible says that if any man has not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. It's the spirit of God inside of you and inside of me that has, re re has redeemed us or has reconciled us back to God. Without the spirit of God, you're not reconciled. 
You're not reconciled. You're not brought back to God. You need, if you don't have the spirit of God, you need to be reconciled. So Paul writes in verse 16, he said, now, with this being understood, that God's spirit is now inside of us, that now that we have an unction to, to share this reconciliation, this reconciliation power with those who have not experienced it, that with those who have not in, in, tasted it, Paul said, so from now on, we regard, verse 16, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Ah, very, very important, because you've got many children of God that are still regarding individuals that are in Christ from a worldly point of view. You're still remembering how they was before they were saved. You're still remembering what they used to do before they were saved. See, this is something that, that Ananias, God had to get Ananias straightened out on. After, after the apostle Paul had got converted, God tried to send Ananias to go to Paul, pray for him, and say one or two things. And Elias was like, I heard many reports about this man. Well, what did he hear? He heard about the old Paul. He heard about the Saul. He heard about the persecutor. He heard about the blasphemer. He heard about that man who was violent. He heard about that man who had not yet received revelation. And what God had to do is let him know you, you are viewing him from a worldly point of view. You're seeing him as how he used to be and not seeing him as how he is. And see, we can get in a whole lot of trouble like that seeing people for how they used to be. See, there's sometimes people used to, to love God. Now they don't love him no more. Sometimes people used to, 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 to be uh, 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 whatever, but now they are not anymore. So, so, you know, just as it is dangerous to see people uh, that God has brought into his family or brought into the newness of life, seeing them what, as they were before they were saved, it just, as, just as that's dangerous, it's dangerous to be seeing people that were saved that have now turned their back and you on Christ and you still seeing them as saved. It's dangerous to view somebody that's in Christ from a worldly point of view. In other words, remembering how they used to be. And it's equally dangerous Seeing somebody that used to be saved, used to be filled with the Spirit of God, used to be on fire for God, and you still, and now they, they are no longer, and you're still trying to see them as that. Paul says, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ this way. We do so no longer. At one point, you know, Paul acknowledges, that we used to see Christ from a worldly point of view. Mary and Joseph's boys. This is what this is what many of the religious leaders, even when Jesus went back to Nazareth, you know, and Jesus was speaking the very words of God, sharing the very will of God, moving in tune with the very spirit of God, and instead of the, the people continuing to receive and to tap into that well that won't run dry, they began to ask questions. Isn't this Mary and Joseph's boy? Aren't his brothers and sisters here with us? You know, they began to try to look at him from a worldly perspective. And this can get us in trouble. This can have you miss your destiny helpers. This can have you miss the Christ. This can have you miss your blessing. This can have you miss your wife. Might have been a young girl when y'all were growing up. She was a prostitute. She done messed around and got saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. God is using her mightily. And that's the one that God want you to marry, and when you meet her, the only thing you can see is when she was a prostitute in school. Instead of seeing, you still review, you're still viewing her from a worldly point of view. Instead of seeing the new creature that she is in Christ Jesus. Oh, maybe a young man, you know, when he, before he was saved, might have been drug dealer, might have been a little gangster, little ruffian causing trouble in the neighborhood, messing around and got saved, sanctified. Now all that, all that energy he was using to terrorize the neighborhood, he's now using it to preach and teach God's word in the four corners of the earth. When you see him, instead of seeing the new mighty man of God that God is using, you're still seeing him as the little terror running around in, in the neighborhood. You're viewing him from a worldly 
point of view. You miss your blessings viewing people from a worldly point of view. Jesus left Nazareth because the people there were viewing him from a worldly point of view. Didn't want to believe. Didn't want to believe that it was God. Didn't want to believe that he was doing the works of God, the will of God. Jesus left. Some of you all blessings have had to leave because you were viewing individuals, either people, places, or things, from a worldly point of view instead of viewing them at, by, by the Spirit. Paul said, uh-uh, uh-uh. I know we used to view Christ that way, but not any longer. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. We've got to keep in mind when folk are in Christ, they're just new creations. Does that mean that they don't do any of the stuff that they used to do when they were old creation? No, it doesn't mean that. It means just what it said, that they are a new creation. Not does it mean that they are perfect? Does it mean that they never fault? They ne don't have any faults, don't have any sin? No, it means just what it says. They are a new creation. So if you knew me prior to salvation, you've got to get to know me all over again now that I'm saved. If I knew you prior to salvation, I've got to get to know you all over again now that you are saved. You, you can have people that have known each other for 30 years unsaved, and both of them get saved, and they have to be reintroduced to each other. Because they are new, they are dealing with two new, the, the one that knew him and the one that, the, the one that knew the other, they are now dealing with new creations. The old has come. The new have come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. God has brought us back to himself through Christ. Now, you say, Apostle, what's the importance there? The importance here is this, that without Christ you can't be brought back to God. You can't be reconciled without Christ. Christ is the only tool that God uses to reconcile man back to himself. Christ. God saying, you, you, you can't come to me without Christ. You can't get to me unless you come through Christ. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Watch this. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So God said, look, not only have you experienced reconciliation through Christ, but you need to be sharing that experience with others. You out there under the sound of my voice, you are a minister as a child of God. You need to understand that. Don't be looking at an apostle or prophet. or uh -uh. You are a minister. You are a minister of reconciliation. There are people, child, I'm talking to children of God now, there are people that you're going to reach and that God has destined and planned and purposed for you to reach that your pastor will never reach. There are people that God has put in your path that has put where you're going to see them, where you're going to be able to minister to them, where apostles will, will never get to talk to them. You have the ministry, every one of us as children of God that has been reconciled, we also have the ministry of reconciliation. God did not reconcile you and then not give you the ministry of reconciliation. He reconciled or he brought you back and he has given you the ministry to bring others back, and that ministry is Christ. gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. Well, you say, boss, what do you got now? Well, in order to be an effective minister of reconciliation, you can't be counting people's sins against them. People come up on the altar to get saved. You can't be, you can't be counting their sins against them. You can't be withholding God's plan of salvation, and with because you remember what they used to do. And I, I remember once I was, Lord is flashing in my spirit now, I was ministering maybe a year or so ago down in what's called the Niger Delta region in Nigeria. Now, this is a region where there's been a lot of militant activity, a lot of the you know, militants, a lot of the in, indigenous people are upset about how um, crude oil is being taken out of the area by big, big companies, big conglomerates, and the people are living in poverty. So they start kidnapping people. 
right there in this area. I mean, you working for the oil company, come in, expatriates and different things, they kidnap you, take you, hold you, have you out in the bush, hold you for ransom. And I got invited right down there. And I had a big crusade right right down in the middle of this area. In fact, the, the host pastor told me, he said, Apostle, many of the militants have come to the program. I said, what? They said, man, they, said they left their, their weapons at home, but many of the, the militants have come. And uh, one young man I had, had, had done uh, after ministering had asked if anyone wanted to be saved, and one young man stood up. Rough-looking young man. I had given my testimony and shared how the Lord had brought me to, how the Lord had, had, had saved me in different things and the activities that I was involved in. And I asked, you know, for who wanted to be saved at that particular time. Young man stood up. Rough-looking young man. And I remember when he stood up, you know, the crowd started murmuring in different things. I didn't know what was going on. I, I didn't know, you know, what was going on. I asked the young man, big, tall, tall young man, I said, what do you want? So he said, you know, I want to be saved. I called him up, led him to the Lord, had him share uh, sinner's prayer. And young man confessed Christ. He confessed Christ. And um, sometime after that, I was speaking with the, with the host pastor. I didn't think too much of it. I just, you know, was glad to see another soul that wanted to come to Christ. But sometime after that, I was talking with the host pastor, and the host pastor said, Apostle, Said, so, you know, that young man stood up at the uh, meeting the other night. Said, we were all concerned about you. I said, concerned about me for what? What's about? He said, that young man is a known militant. You know, he's wanted for murder and rape and all kind of different things. I said, what? He said, everybody knows that young man and, 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 and some of the, the activities that, 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 that he had been involved in. Well, you know, the only thing, only thing I can say now is now that he has confessed Christ, I can't hold those past sins against him. Now, does that mean that we won't reap what we have sown? No, of course not. God is not mocked whatsoever man so 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 shall he reap. But I'm not holding those past sins against him because he's in Christ. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And children of God, this is not always easy. Because there's a, you know, our fleshly nature wants to hold men and women's sins against them. Flesh wants to keep on remembering what you did and how you did and how you hurt me and how you hurt somebody I know and what your reputation is and what they said you did. And even though what we read in the newspaper, all flesh wants to remember all of that. But the Spirit of God will wipe the slate clean and save individuals, not counting and not holding men's sins against them. That is what you and I are called on to do. Therefore, it says, and he has committed unto us, verse 19, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. So our appeal, see, you need to understand that God is appealing to you. If you are unsaved under the sound of my voice, God is appealing to you to get saved. He just happened to be using me and using other children of God and other men and women of God around the world. God is making his appeal. See, some of you all under the sound of my voice, some of you all want God to crack open heaven and make his appeal to you directly. Well, he's not going to do that normally. You know, he's going to make his appeal through us, as children of God, we are God's ambassadors. I can remember now as how many times God, before I finally accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, I can remember all kind of times that God was making his appeal through human beings for me to get saved. I didn't want to hear none of it. He'd make his appeal through my grandfather. He was making his appeal through, through Christians that, that went to my high school. He was making his appeal to all kind of vessels. I just didn't want to hear it. You say, Apostle, well, well, what's the importance there? Well, why is that important? It's important because you need to understand there's only a limited amount of appeals that God is going to make for you. You only got a certain amount of appeals. Then judgment going to have to begin. So it's the same thing with the court system. You can't just appeal, appeal, appeal. You done killed somebody, you went to, went to court, they found you guilty of murder, you appealed and you appealed, you know, and then they, the next court find you guilty and then you appealed and the next court find you. You can't just spend the rest of your life appealing. There's only a certain amount of appeals. Then judgment has to begin. 
in the natural court of law and even God. There's only, you say, Apostle, what, what, what are you trying to say to me? There's only a certain amount of sermons you're going to hear. Now, there might be one, might be a thousand. We don't know. But the point is, and this is why God tells us, the day you hear my voice, harden not your heart. See, what you're doing out there on the sound of my voice, if you are unsaved and you write steady hearing God's apostles, God's prophets, God's evangelists, God's pastors, God's teachers, God's ambassadors making an appeal to you to be saved and you keep rejecting, you playing Russian roulette with your soul. You playing Russian roulette with your eternal soul. Now, you put one bullet in the gun, you might have, you know, in a, in a six-shooter or whatever, you might have five clicks, but eventually that bullet going to get you. Well, you keep right on rejecting God's appeal through his ambassadors. You, God is speaking through the pastor. You don't want to hear that. God is speaking through Christians that it's Christians that handing out tracts in the street. You don't want to hear that. God is speaking through the evangelists that, that outside your house. You don't want to hear that. God is speaking through Apostle or Apostle Brian on the internet. You want to turn back? You you need to understand. You are playing Russian roulette with your own eternal soul. God is making His appeal to you through us, and just like He's making His appeal to you. Through us, when you get saved, he's going to use you to make an appeal to some other folk that's not saved. Yeah, same way. Same way God made his appeal to me through other folk. I won't try to hear that, but I'm glad that I finally got the message. Now look at what God is doing with me, using me to make his appeal to others who are not saved. We are God's ambassadors. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. And we're imploring you. We, we are strongly urging you. You need to get back to God through a personal relationship with Christ. I don't know where you're at and what you're into. But if you are not back with God in the safety of being with God through and by a, a, a solid relationship with Jesus Christ, you are on some of the most dangerous ground in all creation. You are one step, you are one breath away from hell. You are one, if you are listening out there on the sound of my voice, Shaw Apostle, you're you trying to scare people. I hope I do. I, I hope I do. Yeah, I'm trying to scare you. Won't you scare? Because if hell does not scare you, then, 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 then something's wrong with you. If a place of eternal torment, if a place of eternal darkness and weeping and skin worms not dying and and intent, if that don't scare you, then something's wrong. Yeah, I want you scared. I hope you're scared. I hope you're trembling. I hope your chest feel real, real tight right along in now. Tight enough to where you, because that's all that is, is the conviction of the Lord. Tight enough and you convicted enough to where you'll get converted. That's why I'm here. I want your chest to feel real, real tight. want God's word to convict you very, very well so that it will convert you very, very well. God doesn't want you to go to hell any more than you really want to go. See, you might think, ah, all the fun people going to be in hell. If you on a plane with a bunch of fun people and that plane is crashing, you're going to jump up and rejoice because you're on a plane that's crashing with fun people? No, you're going to be terrified. I don't know, it won't even make any difference who else is there. You don't, because you don't want to be on a plane that's crashing. You say, Apostle, what you're driving at? It wouldn't make no difference if every human being in creation ended up going to hell. I don't want to go. Because it's a terrible, terrible experience. A terrible, terrible place. And you don't want to go either. Really. Now, how did God do this thing? How did God fix this reconciliation up? Well, Scripture says in verse 21, God made him, or Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him, or Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Well, you say, Apostle, what's right now? Through Christ, through Christ, you and I become the righteousness of God. Does it mean we're perfect? No, no, I didn't say that. Does it mean we're without fault, without flaw? No. Does it mean that we're never going to make another mistake? No, no, that's not what we're saying. We, children of God, are the righteousness of God. Our faith in Jesus Christ has now changed our very standing in creation. Our faith in Jesus Christ has changed our very position before God. 
Our faith in Jesus Christ has now made us ambassadors of God in the earth. We are God, just like America got ambassadors around the world, different parts of the world. You and I, children of God, we are ambassadors of God. We are now the righteousness of God walking around in the earth with our mistakes, with our flaws, with our shortcomings, with all of that. We are still the righteousness of God. Let us walk in the new life. That's part of the new life, that we are ambassadors, that we are the righteousness of God, that we are ministers of reconciliation. You say, Apostle, what you got in there? As you look at these select scriptures, you know, you, you, you ought to pick up a couple of things. We didn't go over verse 11, but Paul talked about since then we know what it is, what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. We need to understand that that one thing we now as children of God have developed a proper fear for our creator. If you ain't scared of God out there, something is very wrong with you. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fool has said in his heart there is no God. If you out there, you're not afraid of God. You are very, very foolish. Very, very foolish. As children of God, one of the things that, that this new life will teach is the proper fear, the proper reverence, respect for God. Because as we, we talked about, you know, can't nobody do me like Jesus. And we like to sing that. Can't nobody bless us like the Lord and all of that. But can't nobody, can't nobody throw your hind part into hell like the Lord either. Can't nobody curse you like the Lord. Can't nobody strike you down like the Lord. See, we don't know, nobody wants to sing that. Don't nobody want to say, can't nobody curse me like Jesus. See, we don't sing that kind of stuff. Can't nobody kill me like the Lord. Oh, no, y'all ain't y'all don't want to join in that kind of choir. But it's just as true as any other any of the blessings that God brings. So we as to the, the new life, those of us who, who are teaching and preaching and proclaiming new life, we have to we have to teach people. The balance and both sides of this coin. There's a proper fear, a proper reverence and respect for our creator that we have. And as a result of that, that's why we're trying to persuade men. See, the more reverence and respect and proper fear of God that you have, the more you're going to try to persuade men. If you, if you don't see a, ne- a need to be trying to persuade men to come to Christ, then some, you need to check your reverence and your respect for God. Because when, really when you really get a revelation, you really, God really opened your eyes to who he is and how he ain't playing and how he's going to do some very, very terrible things to folk that, that, that don't get with his program and don't get with him, you're going to try to tell, you're gonna, you, you won't be, they won't be able to close your mouth. You're going to be trying to tell everybody you possibly can, look, you need to be saved. Look, you need to, you need to come to Jesus. Look, you need, to, you, need, you need, you need. We know what it is like. The fear of the Lord. We try to persuade men. We try. You say, Apostle, what you trying to say? I'm trying to persuade you out there. Everybody is, is trying to trying to persuade you to do something. You know, everybody being persuaded to do something is not bad in and of itself. It depends on what people are trying to persuade you to do. Now, if I was trying to persuade you to smoke crack or trying to persuade you to to you know, uh, yeah, then that's another thing. But if somebody is trying to persuade you to do right or to do good or to do what you're supposed to do, you need to understand that's a friend. That's a friend. Friends try to persuade you and I to do the right thing. Enemies try to persuade you and I to do the wrong thing. All I got to do is look at what you're trying to persuade me to do. Then I know what I'm working with. Friends are going to try to persuade you to do what God wants you to do. Enemies are going to try to persuade you to do what the devil wants you to do. That's why Adam, he should have, when the woman started trying to give him some fruit from the children of good and evil, he should have changed his view of her. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Oh, baby, now you're operating, like, you're operating like the devil now. Now you're letting the devil use you because you're trying to persuade me to do something that is against what God has told me to do. No, no, no. That's why Job told his wife when she started talking about Joe went through some trial and tribulation. His wife talking about, you still holding on to your integrity. Why don't you curse God and die? Job said, you're talking like a foolish woman. <laughs> are, you, are you crazy? Are you mad? Have you lost your mind? 
Samson should have looked at Delilah and said, I'm dealing with the devil here. Here you trying to persuade me to give the secret of my great strength, to tell the secret of my great strength. You're trying to persuade me to do the opposite of what God wants me to do. You're trying to persuade me to go against what God has said. I'm dealing with an enemy. That's why when Jesus told his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and Matthew up around 21, suffer many things and at the hands of the elders, the chief priest, teacher of the law, Peter pulled him aside, began to rebuke him. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. He was like, no, nah, no, nah, Lord, never shall these things happen to you. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Why? Because what he was trying, what Peter was trying to do was convince Jesus or persuade Jesus to do something different from what God wanted him to do. Now, you say, Apostle, why is that important to me? It's important to you because you, have, you need to know what God wants you to do. If you don't know what God wants you to do, you won't know when the devil and his children are trying to persuade you to do something different. You don't even know. You don't even know. You all out there all ignorant. You don't even know what God wants you to do. So the devil and his children come in and tell you anything. You don't know. But when you know what God wants you to do, any voice, any entity, any influence that comes in and tries to get you to do the opposite of that, you know it's the devil. It's a new life. It's a new life. number of things, children of God, that can be picked up through these select scriptures. And I pray that you go back and take a very good look at them and let God reveal himself and his word and his will even more clearly. Father, in the mighty and the glorious name of Jesus Christ, we thank you today for everything that you've spoken to us, through us, and for us. Father, we pray that your people have been blessed at the preaching, the teaching of your holy word. We pray, Father, that souls have been convicted and converted today at that selfsame word, and that those who already know you in the pardon of their sins, we pray, Father, that they have been edified, encouraged, and strengthened. We give you glory, honor, and praise, and we ask, Father, that as we part one from another, that you will watch over us and keep us uh, until we meet again. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, the sweet fellowship of his Holy Spirit, rest, rule, and abide henceforth now and forevermore. Surely, children of God, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you, children of God. Uh, for those of you that missed your donations on uh, Sunday, we pray that, that you will get them on in. Uh, donations can be made by clicking on the donate button on our church website or our talk shoe homepage. May God continue to bless each of you and heaven smile on you. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.